What's up, everybody? This is Nick Catanese from Black Label Society, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. What's up, everybody? This is JD from Black Label Society and Cycle of Pain, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody. What's going on? This is Zach Wild from Black Label Society, and we're all doing a hang with John on Iron City Rocks. All right, You are the best! You Welcome to episode 151 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best in hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music. Episode 151, we've got a special guest for you to talk about a brand new book. And we thought, why not take a look at the band in more detail? So what we're going to do, we're going to have a Black Label bash this time around. We're going to talk to bassist John DeServio of the band Black Label Society. And if that wasn't enough, we're going to have the father of the Black Label Society, Zach Wildon, talking about his new book. So what we're going to do, we're going to get into an interview that I did in November with John DeServio backstage at the Judas Priest uh, tour. This, for people uh, outside of the Pittsburgh region, this was done in the arena where they shot the movie Slapshot. So uh, I know J.D. is a huge hockey fan. Uh, we spent a little bit of time looking at some memorabilia and things like that backstage. So we're going to get into that interview. This interview, uh, if those of you who follow IronCityRocks.com, this interview was posted in Guitar World. Uh, I write for them uh, on their online site. So this interview was originally published there, but we thought, uh, why don't we let you listen to the audio? So... Without further ado, here's JD from Black Label Society. Right yes, shoot bass. Uh, how? I mean, that's kind of unusual for a, a kid. How old were you at the time? I I had my first bass when I was eleven. Okay. And the reason I got into bass is because um, I had older brothers, right? So I loved music because they all had Zeppelin and The Doors. And they were my favorite band, Jethro Tull. <laughs> so like Jethro Tull was like my favorite band in the world because fucking he said, "Gotta buy the balls." You yeah. know, the motor breath was awesome. And I'm in third grade, and my buddy goes, "He goes, what's your favorite band?" I said, "Jethro Tull." I said, who's yours? He said, Kiss. I said, Kiss? Who's Kiss? And he showed me the picture of them on top of the Empire yeah. State Building. I was like, they're the best. I, I was like, what is this guy? <laughs> they said, he's Gene Simmons. He's the bass player. I said, that's what I want to do. Because I love horror movies. Yeah. And I love music. So it was a perfect combination. And I wanted yeah. to be Gene Simmons from then on. Okay. So Still to this day. Blame it on Gene then. Oh, it's all Gene's fault. Okay. Um, you taught yourself early on and then uh-huh. you took some music theory in like yep. high school yeah yeah definitely like, and then obviously went to Berkeley yeah um, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on 
music education. I mean, okay, because that's something that seems to be gone. Yeah, it really like, sucks because like one of the first things they get rid of when they cut the budget mm-hmm. is the music program yeah. or art or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really sucks because yeah, when I was in high school, we had music theory, yeah. which was great. You know what I mean? So I got to learn my modes and my scales and chords and all this shit and learn to yeah. read a bit. You know what I mean? And it helped me tremendously because then, and I got A's in these classes, so that was great. So when I was applying for Berkeley, I got the reference from my teacher, you know, my music teacher who wrote me, wrote me a great reference. And then another, just my family member wrote me a great reference. And they seen my grades were A's across the board, you know, for music. So they accepted me right away. And Berkeley was the best experience of my life, one of them. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question. I mean, you were you were there roughly what time frame did you go to? Uh, 86 through 90. So were you, did you intersect paths with the guys from Dream Theater at all? They left right when I got there. Okay. Yeah. I was, gonna, I was curious if John My Young was yeah, the yeah. mouth in class. He was, no, he was, uh, he had just left when I okay. got there. Now, how was that experience from a bass player? I mean, I've heard a lot of guitarists talk about it. It was like tremendous. Shed for one, yeah, because there's, there's on every floor, there's wood sheds and glass sheds for the drummers. Mm-hmm. But what I would do mostly is I would take a little lamp into the glass boots and jam with drummers all the time. Or, like, you'd see, like, a sax player jamming, and I would go play with him or, you know, fucking violin player. That was the best thing about Berkeley was all the people, all, were all musicians, all my peers, they all had something different to offer, you know what I mean? So I just jammed with everybody and learned all this, as much as I could. So the classes themselves were amazing, my teachers were amazing, but the students were equally as amazing and meeting all of them and just opening my ears and mind up to other music, it was everything. Now you, when you studied, did you have to take composition and things like that? All these classes, gestures. counterpoint, uh, you know, ear training, which is the yeah. hardest class, but it's the most beneficial to your playing because you really, you hear, you'll hear notes now, you have to sing, which is kind of scary for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. But that's the only way you develop your ear, is by singing. You have to sing, you know, you know that do, re, mi, fa, sol. That whole thing is actually a major scale. So, and, and, uh, and like ear training, like he'd hit a note on the piano, like, like say C, right? And I'd have to hit like, like, like a, a minor third above it without going any without doing anything it's going here and down and going minor third you know what I mean fifth you know what I mean shit like that which was great now did that um, obviously that turns out you, you came out of Berkeley as many people doing made a career out of uh-huh. musician did you did you do much professionally before Lita Ford or was that kind of Jody Bon Jovi okay that was my first gig uh, when I left, Ber- I left Berkeley to go on tour with Jody Bon Jovi and do her record, okay. uh, which was half done when I got there. And then uh, we actually had a video on MTV, Somebody to Love. We did a remake of the Jefferson okay. Airplane song and uh, toured, you know, all throughout Canada and America in a fucking beautiful tour bus. That was my first tour. That was '89. Man. Okay. The same year I got in Spotlight. Remember that column and guitar yeah. player, oh, yeah. Mike Varney. I got in that, and I, I left school right all around at the same time. And. Uh, Got to play with you know for Jody and I got to record at the hit uh, uh, the fucking uh, the power station okay. yeah in New York which was you know Tony Bon Jovi's place which was amazing and then uh, yeah I got to record with like Steve Ferroni plays drums for Eric Clapton and all okay. these other people and Sterling Campbell this other studio cat just some great people man and uh, and that was my first experience man that was what I left school for. You uh, you mentioned Mike Barney at mm-hmm. some point then you went on to play with Vinnie Moore. Yes. Can you talk about what that was like? I mean, there's a guy... Unbelievable. Who... Vinny is so... 
he's not known, you know, which he should be because he's a fucking amazing person. Never mind a great guitar player. He's a beautiful soul. And uh, it was 91. Uh, he had put out his Meltdown record. And, and the reason I got Vinny, check this out. I auditioned for Alice Cooper. Okay. And I didn't get that gig. I didn't get it. Eric Singer was the drummer, and he loved me. He's like, man, I, he wanted me to be in the band. He loved the way I played. He's like, this dude's making me sweat. You know what I mean? That's what he said. He's like, dude, you made me sweat. You're the first one that made me sweat. I'm like, cool, man. You know? And uh, so I didn't get that gig. And Alice took Vinnie Moore and Vinnie's bass player at the time, Greg Smith. Okay. And then, so Vinnie was in Alice Cooper for a couple months, and then he had to leave to do his own solo career. And he asked the guys in the band, he said, you guys recommend any bass players? And they all said JD. Then he called another person, and he said, you know any bass players? And they said me. And it just so happened that I knew these three people that he called. And they all said, you know, get JD, man. And then, then, uh, and then there you go. So then I got the audition for Vinny, and then we, we, you know, toured, you know, for over a year, man, with an instrumental band with Brian Tishy on drums. Oh, which, it was a killer trio. Yeah. And uh, we got to, you know, play the garden, opened up for Rush on Roller wow. Homes tour and all that stuff. So uh, it was really awesome. Uh, we were in a van for a while with a fucking rider truck. <laughs> and then we actually got a bus, which was like, it was amazing, you know what I mean? But Rush was so awesome to us. They were such good people and uh, great experience. And Vinny's one of the best guitar players to fucking live. Yeah, amazing. yeah. It's it is. It's almost criminal. It's ironic that Vinny kind of ended up in UFO because one of the most underrated bands. Oh uh, yeah, they're a great band. Man, a lot of good songs. Michael Shanker killed it yeah. in that fucking band. Man, no, but people don't really know. You know what I mean? No, you mentioned touring with Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, Ironically, I think it was working, man. When you were talking about that stuff, that's one of the first. Um, one of the first songs I wrote. But did you? I mean, Getty Lee to me is, is unbelievable. When I think of a bass player, Love Village Strangiato and all that. Yeah, shit. Y Y Z. Yeah, I shed a lot of that stuff too as a kid. Did you get a chance to interact with him much, or was it kind of yeah, like, dude? Another great song. All right, first day of the tour, we're in our dressing room. We get a note. And with a bottle of Dom Perignon, oh. and uh, inviting us to go back to the fucking to their dressing room after their gig. So you know they get done with their gig, and we go back there, and we're all sitting around at Getty's, like sitting here, and we're all on the ground around and fucking yeah. sitting. And he's, he's talking, just talking, and everybody's like, <laughs> this fucking guru, you know what I mean? And uh, what nice people, man! They were yeah. great people, and um. And one day at Soundcheck, I was playing. I'm playing like Teen Town from a uh, uh, Weather Report. Jock up a story. It's like one of my favorites. So I'm playing Teen Town, and Getty walks up on stage. He goes, "Ah, oh, you love Jocko? I said, "Man, who does it, man?" <laughs> he goes, "Oh, try my bass." Whoa. So he was playing wall basses at the time, and he uses really skinny strings, thirties, okay. really light. And anyway, Neil was playing drums, and I got to fucking jam with Neil Pert for fucking about a minute. I played a Boston I played like a samba with Neil Pert for about a minute on Getty's bass. Oh, wow. That was fucking awesome, man. Um, Now, how did you enter Zach's world? Uh, Me and Zach knew each other before he even got Nazi from Jersey. Okay. We played the same club scene. So I heard about this fucking guitar player that was burning, and I went one night, and I was like, man, this, this dude's awesome. It was right around my first semester at Berkeley, so I had been shedding my ass off, you know, and, and practicing all this new stuff. So we met, and then we just started, we jammed, like, in the, in the dressing room for hours, and we became bros. And that was, like, 1986. Okay. So that's how long I've known Zach. So, you know, whenever he did anything, you know, he would, he would call me up or whatever, you know what I mean? And then, and then here we are still, yeah. which is insane. But he's been my biggest fan, my biggest 
supporter, you know. So yeah, man, it was amazing when he got the Aussie gig. We were we were huge fucking Randy fans, man. Right? Yeah, we were like ecstatic. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. It was like a dream come true, man. Yeah, absolutely. Now the, you in the nineties then did drill. Yeah. Um, now, I want to, I guess, when you listen to it, I guess the good thing about what your education brought you is uh-huh. you're kind of chameleon. Oh, uh, definitely. To, you were able, able to kind of roll with the music that, scene. Because that was changed. more industrial, more electronic stuff. And a girl singer screamed, and she was, you know, really, really, you know, creative. It was really cool. So I, so when I got in that band, I got, I got hip to all the electronic stuff. And, like, you know, using, you know, like, samples and all this shit. And I've, I was just a rock yeah. you know, funk fusion guy, and then I got opened up that world, which is really, you know, it just broadens it, man. Yeah. The more the better, you know what I mean? Um, Cycle of Pain, you want to yeah. talk about what that project is for those aren't familiar? Yeah, man, that's my own, my side band from from, from Black Label, mm-hmm. and uh, it's guys that, when we were 14 years old, we were in a band together. Okay. Like, my drummer at that time is the singer in Cycle of Pain, and he's a great drummer, too. Joe Taylor was my guitar player back then, so we... We're friends forever, and we always jam together. You know, when I went to Berkeley, we kind of, you know, that band fell apart, but we stayed friends, and we even jammed all throughout the years. And uh, actually, the first Cycle of Pain gig we did was in 99, I, I, or it was it 2000, it was 2000, because I was in Black Label in the beginning, and then I left, and I was doing my own shit, and we actually opened up for Black Label in 99. I was just fronting. I had a bass player, which Zach just was, he was so pissed. Because for one thing, we were doing like fucking like hip hop and funk and metal and all this shit together, and he didn't want to do that shit. And for and then, and then on top of it all, I wasn't even playing bass, so he was just fucking. He was like, "What the fuck's going on here?" But then later on, you know, uh, around 2003, we we started writing together again, me, Greg, and Joe, and uh, we started putting together some stuff. And then in 2009, I got the record deal, and I have a whole bunch of music that I've recorded through the years: funk stuff, jazz stuff bass music, sure. rock stuff with the guys, and they said, you can do whatever you want. I said, well, I'd like to do a rock band with my bros, and, yeah. and they were all for it. Greg, my singer, his voice is fucking phenomenal, dude. It's phenomenal. Joe's a great guitar player, great drummers on my record. I mean, just great, great fucking people, and Greg's voice, whenever people hear it, they're immediately like, that's good. You know what I mean? It's a shame that it's a fucking secret. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we do another record and get a deal, get maybe the they'll do something more correct. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So that's you, weird. you actually played on Order of the Black. The yeah, studio. I played on it. I was that the first studio album? That no, I played on Hangover Music. Okay. that was the first one I played on. Okay, and that was whatever 2004. I did Shot to Hell okay. with Zach, which I actually co-produced with him. Doesn't say that, but I produced that record with him. And then Order of the Black, I co-produced and mixed. Okay, and Song Remains Not the Same, I co-produced and mixed. Okay, now when you go in, I mean, is he just kind of? He has rip ideas, you know what I mean, and uh, he has some ideas, plays with the drummer, you know what I mean, and just puts, we build the track like that, go for the drum track, get a good good track, and then then you fill it in, you know, guitars, and then I usually do my bass at the end, which is nice for me. No, that's interesting. Since I'm producing it, I'm there, so I can do it whenever I want. (laughs) You know, so I like to hear the melody, what's going on, because then I could complement it better. So that's what sucks for the drummers. Because who's ever playing drums on the record gets to hear the skeleton riff and they're just yeah. playing to it. Yeah, this is going to be the verse, you know. This, yeah. you know, well, what is the melody? We don't know yet. We're getting you know what I mean? Yeah. We're getting there. This is just, you know, that's how we do it. You know, that's how Zach does it anyway. Yeah. I mean, and and he he just comes right there. Nothing pre-produced forever. You know what I mean? Just that's it. We do it. We record it. That's it. Yeah. Gone. 
You know I mean? Which is great for fans. I mean, you guys kick out albums. Yeah. It's like you're a band in the 80s. Right, right. Yeah, so every year, pretty much. Yeah. We took a, ha- a hiatus after Shot the Hell for a few years, but you know, now we, we should be back on track like every two years, you know what I mean? Every yeah. 18 months about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, live, uh, gear-wise, mm-hmm. you're using what kind of bass? I use Schecter's, my JD signature Schecter's. Okay. And uh, my strings are GHS. Um, my amp company is Harky. Okay. And Samson, like Samson, Samson, Sam Ash, they run, they have Harky, Zoom, and uh, what's and Samson. Okay. So Samson, my wireless. Zoom is my effects, and uh, and uh, Harky is my heads and my fucking speakers. Okay. The high drive speakers in the Marshall cabinets, okay. which are great because I I helped design the new Harky stuff. Okay. Because I told them I said, man, you gotta kick the fucking shit out of an an amp egg. You know, because that's the standard for bass. So we actually did that. So live, I'm using a Samson power app, so I have unlimited headroom. And I and I split, you know, each side of the power app. One is running the LH1000 head, and the other side is running my Zoom. Okay. So on my Zoom, I have clean sounds, you know. So so I have a clean sound on my Zoom and a clean sound through the, the Harky. And so it's stereo, it's two different sounds, but it's so fucking punchy. I don't know if you guys are going to be on my side of the stage tonight. No, I'm not sure, man. But uh, you're more than welcome to come up, man. So my, my shit is ripping. It's always fun to hear the back line. My it tone is, is fucking crushing, dude. I mean, the drummer in Clutch, mm-hmm. great friend. I love Clutch, they're amazing. But he said, JD, never mind your playing. You should be really proud of your sound, dude. It's tremendous. I'm like, thanks so much. And dude, up there, it's... You know, I'm playing with Zach, you know, yeah. I gotta cut through. Yeah. And it's fucking punching. I mean, I, I think it sounds good in the house, I'm not sure, but on stage, you come hear my sound. You know, that's a fucking bass tone, dude. Yeah. yeah, it's ripping. The Harky shit is great. And like I said, I use the Samson Power Amp, so it's a 3200 watt power amp. I have unlimited, you know, heaven. Because that's what you need with bass. You need more power with bass than guitar. And you need that, you know, otherwise it starts farting out and it doesn't sound good, you know, it's yeah. not a good distorted. You know what I mean? So with the unlimited headroom, it's so clean and punchy. What size speakers are you using here, Kev? Here I have 12s. Okay. I usually use 10s and okay. a tweeter. Okay. Like when I play with Cycle of Pain, I have two 810 cabinets with two, two tweeters. Okay. And that's the shit. That's like my best sounding shit. Yeah. And the same setup, my power amp, you know, half zoom, half fucking marquee. And uh, so when I step on my zoom to change like a distorted sound, the one side stays clean. And just the one side changes. So, because with bass, when you press on a distortion, it goes. Yes. You know what I mean? There's no fullness at all. So my shit's always there. It's tremendous, man. Really fucking killer. That's the Yes, but it always stays real. That punch. So when I'm thumping and I got like this crazy distortion on there, the one side's totally distorted. The other side's just punching. So it's a nice full sound. Yeah, that's all I got for you. That it? Cool. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of bass clinics too. Yeah. You know, okay. for uh, for Harky. Okay. You know, with the high drive stuff. I actually did a run with uh, Marco from yeah from uh, to talk to at some point tonight. You know, we did like three clinics together. It was really fun. And Chad, my drummer at Black Label, is doing it with me because he loves to play jazz and funk and stuff. So he's been great, man. For those who haven't come to a clinic, what can you expect from a clinic? Um. Well, like I said, we'll, we'll fucking like when I do them on my own. It's you know, it's pretty much the same as with Marco, but. I, tr- I just play, I'll play on, on grooves, on funk, like, funk patterns, you know what I mean? I like to slap a lot, and I don't really get to do that much in Black Label, obviously, sure. it's not called for that, but I'll like break down a pattern, like a, and I'll show people, like, very slowly, I'm going, all I'm doing is, like, I'm hitting with my thumb, and then this hand is slapping too, but it's like a dead note, so I'll go, like, right, left, right, right, left, 
right, right, left. You can practice this anywhere, on a table. You'll hear me do that in Funeral Bell tonight. Yeah. And I do it like over Looks cool, but it's, it's you know, that's what I do. I like to do that. So I'll just try to like get something to the fans like that are there. Something they could take home even if they do. Because you could do that anywhere. Yeah. And, and and then just try and take it and put it here or on a piano. You know what I mean? Whatever, on a guitar or funky rhythm. Yeah. Things like that. And I speak about like music theory, about learning your modes and the yeah. do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, that it actually means something, you know. So I try to give them something. It's really hard. It's like 40 or 50 people, you know, so you can't really get one-on-one -on -one with people. So I just try to make like, you know, a basic lesson for the day and to yeah. listen to more music. And a lot of them, they're all black label fans. Yeah. But they don't. They're not expecting me to fucking funk it up, you know, like yeah. fucking Stevie Wonder and, 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 and you know Bootsy and shit like that. You know what I mean? So they're going like, holy shit, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to open them up to more music, and that's really what it's all about. Yeah, I think the fact that you were a bass player first probably gives you some interesting insight into the rhythm of the song. Oh, without a doubt, man. You know, yeah, you're yeah, not just. Like I've been a bassist my whole life, and, and then I learned everything else after that. Yeah. So I play piano, man. I play drums, I play guitar, and I sing. Yeah, so but uh, but bass was my primary throughout the years, man. You know, but when I'm home now, I'm playing piano. Man. I pick up a, a bass and I approach it like a guitar. You know. It's, yeah, you see, you got to put the pick away and fucking. Yeah. And it's listen, funny watching listen. when you're doing your rhythm because your thumb is out there. You can tell. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? mean? Yeah, that's 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 what I do. Yeah. You know, I'm, in black label, my bass is out of my fucking knees, so I got to bend all the way over and fucking. Because <laughs> when you're thumping, you know, it's got to be like this, you know. But I'm like. Can't oh, cool when you're out there. Nah, that just don't look. Maybe for Tom Morello it does, but not for me. Yeah, you gotta get it. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, fuck that. Because you know what's funny? Because when, you, when you're sitting down, it's the most comfortable. The bass yeah. is right here. Yeah. So I would get up and it would be right here. It feels, I don't know, I'm so used to playing like this now. Yeah, I'm always bent over. You'll see. It's funny. Yeah. It's a knife on my back. You can't, you can't do that on stage. Gothic Chameleon returns. Marilyn Manson. Manson. The beautiful people. The beautiful people. Saturday night, May 5th, Stage AE. Marilyn Manson. New album, Born Villain, coming soon. Special guest, The Pretty Reckless. Don't wait. Get your tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets. Manson. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and Coors Light. All right, big thanks to JD from Black Label Society for joining us on the show. Again, that one was from November. Uh, still pretty current information. Uh, it was really, I think, a, a pretty cool look at uh, kind of where JD's coming from. He's not uh, just a guy who picked up a bass and learned how to play root notes of chords. He's a very accomplished musician. Uh, I think it was a great chance to show that. So let's get to the boss of the band, uh, Zach Wilde. As many of you know, Zach Wilde got his professional start uh, as the guitarist in the Ozzy Osbourne band uh, back in the 80s, I believe, with the No Rest for the Wicked album, if my memory serves me well. I was a really young guy at the time, uh, and has really kind of grown up uh, musically in front of everyone's eyes into sort of the mega star shredder that he is today. Uh, and I found out last, I believe it was last year, that kind of the news came out he was going to be writing a book and had no idea what to expect because uh, as many of you uh, follow Zach's career, he's got kind of a zany uh, sense of humor. And the book is is by no means a departure from that. Uh, had a chance to read the book uh, in its entirety. Hilarious book. Uh, well worth the read. It comes out on April 10th, so by the time you listen to this, it should be on the bookshelves, uh, certainly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc., 
really worth having. Uh, it's got a lot of great uh, humor, a lot of guest uh, writers in there. Uh, Nick Katniss has uh, is, is got a piece in there. Bubba Dudley, uh, Chris Jericho, uh, you name it. Uh, a lot of uh, Zach's buddies get in on the book. So it's a, it's a fun time to read. Uh, and it was great to get the chance to talk to Zach about the book as well. So without further ado, let's get to the man, Zach Wilde. Hey, how are you doing, Zach? Good, brother. Hey, um, you're going to be dropping a new book tomorrow, um, Bringing Metal to the Children. You want to talk a little bit about how you and Eric got the idea to do the book? Um, yeah, well, you know, when when we first started doing it originally, uh, it was like uh, half of it was, um, you know, like an instructional manual, like, in the, you know, showing clips of the Vatican mm-hmm. and then doing like a guitar instructional book. I, I go, this thing's like all over the place. It's like... I was like, hey, we got like two books here. Like an instructional book that, you know, I said, I can get around to that eventually. I said, but, you know, I said, but then also it's got, I mean, we've got all these goofy-ass stories. I go, yeah. why don't we just make it like, you know, like a George Carlin book where it's just, you know, I mean, it would be like George talking about the ridiculousness of the comedy, you know, doing stand-up for all these years and like, you know, the most ridiculous, stupid things about the business and things that have happened to him with promoters and the clubs and, the, you know, you know, I, I mean, just like the inner workings. I said, because I'm not going to write an autobiography. I mind you, the, the stories are, you know, I mean, these are true stories that we're sure. talking about. I mean, you know, pathetically, you know, they're not real. They're pathetically all too real, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. uh, we just stuck with that. And then, like, you know, I mean, I've always been, I always get asked advice, like, oh, dude, what would you do if you were 18 or, you know, if you were never blessed with the good fortune of running into Ozzy and, you know, like if, if, you know, my son's starting something or, you know, I'm doing it myself, I'm gonna, you know, you have any advice or whatever. But, uh, you know, because, I mean, obviously anybody, I mean, you just looking on the journalism side from on the other side when you're, you know, when you think, oh, wow, it's, 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 this is what it is and this, and, you know, and you, you have no idea, you know. Absolutely I mean? not, yeah. Yeah, and then you, you know, so it's just like, uh, and, you know, the ridiculously funny, beyond stupid pathetic stories you got that came out of it and that's why i would just laugh i go you don't even get pissed off about things you just go uh, just chalk it up for the book you know what yeah. i mean so yeah you know, good i mean and i'm not the only one that's got them i mean any band's got it i mean i'm, I'm sure if you sat and talked with uh you know i mean peter grant yeah. with zeppelin's manager i guarantee you if you asked him to you know, write, write a story on just the, how the most ridiculous Things where you go, that never happened, did it? It's just like, dude, you'll have a whole, you know, a, a volume series, you know what I mean, of just like the stupidity that's ever happened, you know? Yeah, all the shark stories and all that good stuff. Totally. The, one, the one thing I took away from the book that I, I, I've always felt, I, I remember reading in like Circus Magazine or whatever magazine it was when you got the gig with Ozzy, and it's really seemed to stay true to everything you've done through... Uh, the pride and glory, and even when you did a little bit with Leonard Skinner, is is to play what you love. You've you've been pretty blessed to be able to make a you know a very good living doing what you love. Is there anything you can attest to that, or is it just the you know the SDMF attitude? Uh, I think 
Uh, and like I said in the book, I mean, like, you know, I said, yeah, if I never would have met Oz and, you know, there'd be no black label or whatever. <clears throat> like me and JD probably own a music store mm-hmm. and we'd be playing weddings on weekends or whatever and then doing, having our cover band and teaching and doing our originals and, you know, whatever. I, I mean, you know, but, uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be strapped up with some crap job that I I can't stand and like going you know I can't believe I'm doing this I got you know uh, all the jobs I ever had were always just a means to an end you know mm-hmm. so it was just like in order for me and you you know you were doing that working me and you were both working at whether we're flipping burgers or we're mowing lawns or whatever it was that we were doing at the time it was just so you could save up for your drum kit and I was saving up for my Marshall and my Les Paul you know what I sure. mean. Until we could, and you know, and, until we can do what it is we wanted to do. And you know, I mean, like with my kids, I, <clears throat> or my nephews or whatever, I just go, I told them, I go, dude, the secret to life is, I go, dude, if you just find what it is you love and do that, you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, and, and that's the truth, man. I mean, it, it's just like, uh, I have so many of my friends that have either gone on to college and, can't stand what they're doing or they just went there because it's you know it was the thing to do yeah they're just miserable i mean i, I just go what the, was the point dude? Sure. you know what i mean or they're going to college and they don't even know what it is they want to do yeah guilty uh, I go, that's yeah. that's really good uh, yeah. i go you know you're just going to go study a whole bunch of things so you know a whole bunch of stuff that you really, and that you don't even want to use or you don't even yeah. know you want to use you know what i mean it's just like very I mean, very you want to go into business is like my one buddy went into business years ago and he just started he bought a limousine service he bought like this one buddy was going out he bought one car then he bought another one then he bought another one then he built it up so now he has his own limo service mm-hmm. and he makes a living doing that you know instead of when we were younger when we were in high school you know just having crappy jobs that you couldn't stand it's like oh dude I, de- I definitely don't plan on doing this for the rest of my life you know what I mean it's just like yeah no, no kidding yeah. the only reason why you're doing it is just so that you can save up for what it is you want to do you know yeah. Now you mentioned in the book uh, many, 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 many times your good buddy J.D., uh, who kind of became the butt of every joke in the book. Uh, was he uh, aware of that when he read the book, or did you just kind of spring that on him? Oh, no. I mean, like with uh, with J.D., we always take the, you know, I mean, we're always taking the piss out of each other all the mm-hmm. time anyways, whether whether it's him making fun of me. You know, like at the end of the book with the uh, all the tweets and stuff like that. Yeah. When anybody would just say, oh, Zach, you're a god, you know, and I'll send it to J.D., and he goes, yeah, a goddamn pile of shit, or you goddamn idiot, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, uh, you know, you, um, you know, <laughs> it's like somebody will write, man, that guitar solo of yours tonight was awe-inspiring. Yeah. And he goes, and J.D. goes, yeah, it was inspiringly awe, that you could still, still... You can still trick people into believing that you can actually play the guitar, and they actually buy a ticket to hear your bullshit guitar playing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. I mean, that's one of the, the nice things I noticed. Um, the organization of Black Label seems to be such a family. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, from your guitar tech, Moby, all the way down, you know, and J.D., you've known for decades now that you've really been able to, and fortunate, to surround yourself with good character people. No, no, without a doubt. I mean, you know, and all the guys that have either, um, you know, that aren't in the band or, or in the Doom crew anymore, if they're off doing other things, we still keep in touch and we still talk. So, 
I mean, um, I mean that's a beautiful thing about the band. Yeah. I have to ask, um, being from Pittsburgh, uh, and your relationship with Nick has now been, you know, what is it, 15 years, give or take. Um, is there any secret to that kind of marriage that, that's made that work? Um, well, no, I mean, aside, aside of the fact that, I mean, obviously you got to be friends, mm-hmm. you know, aside of the music stuff, because you actually, you're spending more time with these people than you are with your family, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sure. When you're out on the road, so, uh, but no, I mean, I, I've never been in a band, like with the Axel and Slash situation, or, sure. you know, where it's just like, like, if I ever see that guy again, I'm going to slit his throat, or if you're in a band or something, you know, I mean, I've never been, in a, you know, where I couldn't stand somebody like that, I, I don't know, I mean, because all the guys that I've ever been in a band with, even since we were 14 years old, mm-hmm. to now, uh, you know, for for whatever reason, guys back in the day didn't want to do it anymore because they wanted to get married, they didn't want to tour, they just was like, I don't want to do this. It wasn't because, it was just because they wanted to do different things. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, but not to the point, I mean, cause with us, we all like hang out together, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, if we want to go to Hooters and watch the, the Pacquiao fight, I mean, we all round up the guys and we we'll all go see the fight. And whoever doesn't want to come, that's cool too. Yeah. You know, we'll see you tomorrow in the lobby when we drive to the next gig. So, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, I mean, that's how the way everybody rolls in Black Label. That's how I rolled when, before, when I was in bands, when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And then when we, when I rolled with Ozzy, we all hung out too. And, you sure. know, the crew and the, and the band, because you're all together, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, now you, um, you're going to be uh, doing some work with Ozzy here in the, in the, Pretty near future, you're going to be doing the Ozzy and Friends. Do you have an idea of what, in mind what you're going to be doing on those shows yet, or is that still to be determined? Uh, no, I think well, I think it's going to start off with Gus and Blasco and Tommy with the boss, and then uh, Gus is going to walk off after he does a batch of stuff, and then I come out, <clears throat> and I guess we're going to do stuff that I've done, you know, me, Blasco, and Tommy that I've mm-hmm. done, you know, uh, and Ozzy's catalog that he's done with me since, you know, No Rest for the Wicked to sure. all the stuff we've worked on. And then uh, Geezer's going to come out, and then we're going to do a bunch of Sabbath stuff. And then at the end, I think uh, Geezer, you know, I mean, uh, Blasco's going to come out, Gus is going to come out, and Slash comes out, and then I think we all do, uh, like, a Sabbath tune or two. Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be really great. Yeah, so, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a fun night out, man. Yeah, kind of going home again. That'll be nice. Um, I, I know obviously you're very busy, but I just wanted real quick to get your thoughts if you had anything on uh, um, the passing of Jim Marshall. Well, I mean, well, you know, I, mean, I, always, I just I always call him Dad because mm-hmm. you know everything that he created. I go, yeah, you got a lot of sons now. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> From Pete Townsend to you know to everybody that's using him today. So I mean, it's just uh, I mean, just such an interesting life. I mean, it's just like for a guy that is a jazz drummer, taught at the music store, and, you know, when people kept coming in and, you know, you got to figure what rock and roll was such in its infant form. And then, you know, kids are coming in going, oh, you got guitar amplifiers? Because, you know, guitar was getting popular. And it's sure. just like, you know, he was like, oh, I'm going to build my amplifier, you know, because it seems like that's what kids want to play. And so he built it out, you know, because he's a jazz drummer. Mm-hmm. So he built the, he built the amps, and then Pete Allen is like, dude, can you make it like the size of a refrigerator? <laughs> like really big, so I can make it really like, you know. And next thing you know, you know, I mean, it, uh, a stack is always, you know, it, it's it was created by a jazz drummer. Sure. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So like when you really look at, you know, like the, 
the twists and turns that life gives you. You know, here, here's Father Marshall. Had no, probably no plans on ever being an amp guy anyway. Sure. You know, I mean, if it was up to him, he'd be Louis Belson. He'd just be a famous jazz drummer, you know what I mean? Mm. And, uh, you know, then every every guitar player in the world owes a debt to him, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. It's like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it really is mind-blowing. I mean, how many, think about how many records oh, his yeah. albums were on. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how you begin to, to quantify it. Even people who you know, quote, endorse another brand, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at what they're really plugging into, you know, it's a JCM 800 or, you know, whatever. No, totally. And it, uh, you know, the the influence, I mean, the, the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should be built in his workshop. No, frankly. without a doubt. And I mean, I mean, and what's so so awesome about the whole thing, because, you know, we'd always practice there all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was like our home away from home. It's just that uh, the crazy thing is, is that it's uh, what's so awesome is they never he never built another plant outside of that the original plant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It always stayed. It'd be like you know Ford or GM or whatever. Like it always stayed in Detroit. They never yeah. so that way you whenever you know when you're getting a, a Ford product or whatever, it was made in Detroit, right? In this factory. You know what I mean? And so I mean everything with a Marshall came out of that factory. Every amp ever. There wasn't, you know, an ant made, in, you know, out in America somewhere, or yeah. a plant made out in China, or a plant made in uh, Australia somewhere, or Canada. It was all out of Milton Keynes, you know. Yeah, and that's that's almost unheard of in modern business, you know, to have, you know, that kind of loyalty to one geographic area. That's that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, totally. Well, Zach, I want to thank you for coming on the show very much. Again, your book comes out on the tenth, uh, Bringing Metal to Children. Thank you so much, and we'll see you down the road, man. Alright man, take it easy, John. Bye, Never in your darkest dreams did you see this coming. Rob Zombie. Mega Death. May 16th at Stage AE Outdoors. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations. Ticketmaster.com or call 800-745-3000. For more information, visit TromoWestLive.com. For VIP info and tour dates, go to RobZombie.com and Megadeth.com. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored a program around my needs and skill level. Best of all, I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. Don't make excuses. Make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S, musicstudio.com. Or call 724-777-4678. All right, a giant thanks to Zach Wild for coming on the show and talking to us about his new book, Bringing Metal to the Children, The Complete Berserker's Guide to World Tour Domination, available now uh, everywhere. Uh, you can go to, uh, obviously, blacklabelsociety.com. Go to amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you want and pick up that book. Also, again, a special thanks to J.D. Uh, for sitting down and talking to me 
uh, learn more about his career. It was really a fascinating conversation to get to talk to him in such detail. Uh, if you're not familiar with Iron City Rocks, we are at ironcityrocks.com. This is episode 151, so we have uh, 150 just like it. Uh, maybe not quite Zach Wild, but we've had uh, Nick Katniss, uh, I think he's joined us three times now on the show. Uh, We've had uh, Tony Iommi, members of Judas Priest. Uh, last episode, we were joined by Phil Collin of Def Leppard. So check us out, please, ironcityrocks.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, and the same thing with Twitter. Uh, really would love it if you go to iTunes, leave us a review, uh, or subscribe, which would be even better yet. Uh, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen, so we'll catch you next time. <laughs>